Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. Welcome in to a quick timeout podcast. On the show today is Coach Mike Shaughnessy, basketball skills trainer. Now that we're officially in the offseason and focusing our attention on training, I thought it'd be best to have someone on to talk about player development. So in this episode, Coach Shaughnessy and I talk about designing a workout, essential skills for effective training, and more. If you're looking for additional resources on skill development, be sure to check out the Patreon page for a quick timeout. On that page, you'll find short web clinics, drills, and workouts to use with your players. Just visit patreon.com slash a quick timeout. Now I hope you'll enjoy today's episode with Coach Mike Shaughnessy. Let me go ahead and formally introduce Coach Mike Shaughnessy to the show tonight. You know, Coach, you kind of want to give a little bit of background of who you are. I'm guessing most people, if they're watching this, they'll probably know who you are, but um, kind of tell them your background as far as coaching goes in general and then, you know, what you're doing now. Right when I got done playing, you know, collegially, I uh, got an opportunity to uh, join the staff at my alma mater and um, spent like three seasons there, uh, learned a ton under the head coach, and then came back, started doing some player development and kind of got really into that. Uh, I was just mainly doing that. I was coaching at the high school level. I was coaching um, at the youth level as well. And then I had an opportunity for the past two seasons. I was coaching at um, Stockton University, which is, you know, down here in South Jersey is, you know, for me, it's about 20 minutes. So I coached there for the past two years. And then, as you know, it's a, you know, college coaching is a lifestyle. So it's either, and for me, it's, I was running my player development business. And then I was also, you know, trying to manage the, the lifestyle of college coaching. So uh, I came to a crossroads and really had to make a decision on, you know, whether, you know, to just really invest in my time in player development and more so like the business side with that, or just continue to, um, you know, obviously coach. And I had to make a decision to obviously, you know, keep going with the player development stuff. That's where I'm at today. Just working with a lot of players at, you know, all levels from youth all the way up to the pros. And it's really rewarding. And uh, obviously I, you know, I miss, I miss college coaching. I miss, I miss that lifestyle a little bit, but uh, I mean, the players I get to impact from, you know, just from the training standpoint and um, the relationships I can build with those kids is, uh, you know, it's really, it's beneficial for sure. And, uh, and I'm loving it right now. Each guy is different, but it would appear to me that the, if you're going to do what you're doing and do it well, it, it kind of has to be, like you said, you kind of like have to jump all in on it. Did you feel like it was something where you were giving a little bit to the coaching and then also giving a little bit to this? Because I remember Mike and I met when we were working the Duke camp. We worked several years together there. And I remember talking to you about player development even then. Like that was something that you were really passionate about. But I mean, you know this, like skills trainers are a dime a dozen today. I feel like a lot of times it's like, yeah, I played college ball. Like, how hard can this be? So they like jump into it and they're the skills trainer. For you, like, did you feel like it was something where you're like, I've got to go all in on this if I'm going to do it right? Yeah. And uh, I actually want to just um, share a quick story. Just and again, it's a lot, a lot of things have happened from Duke basketball camp. 
I threw back Duke basketball camp. I actually met my fiance through a coach when I went to visit. But the best advice I ever got was in terms of where I'm at now. And, you know, I'm obviously still learning, still growing. But the best advice I ever got was, you know, I'm sitting at Duke basketball camp about six years ago, seven years ago, whatever it is, when I kind of first started, you know, working that camp. And I, you know, and you, you know, the name Mark Adams. I mean, I was just, you know, he was working the camp at the time and I just had a chance to sit with him, you know, during lunch, you know, and he was, you know, doing a lot of things with player development at that time. Obviously he's, you know, coaching at Elon now, but I just asked for his advice. And the first thing he said is like, coach, he said, get into coaching. You know, you got to understand the game. You got to grow your knowledge for the game. You got to really, you know, get that lifestyle, understand, you know, what those coaches are going through, what those coaches want from their players. At the time, you know, when I was doing player development then, you know, I was just starting out. I really didn't know much. I mean, I was just, you know, doing drills and really didn't know what I was doing. So that was the best advice for me at the time that kind of, I was like, that's when I needed to get into coaching. And that was like, right when I got done, just got done playing. I was doing a little bit of training with the guys that, you know, that were obviously going into that summer. Uh, I was just working with those guys that were continuing their playing career, you know, at my college. And it was just the best advice. And that's why I started coaching. That's why I wanted to jump right on the staff with my head coach and just kind of get into that lifestyle. And he also said, like, you also want the respect of coaches, you know, from a player development standpoint, as you know, it's such a watered down business of, you know, guys doing, I mean, you just see, you see everything these days on social media, you know, in terms of props and different things, you know, so I wanted, you know, that really hit me because, you know, I was using all these, I, I remember, like, I remember I was using cones, I was using all these different props. I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. And then I was like, you know, I got to really understand the game more. And then two, I got to find something, you know, I got to find my way. I got to, you know, be authentic for with who I am and I got to find what works for me. So that was the best advice I ever got. And uh, to this day, it's obviously, it's helped me um, a lot just from, you know, obviously as I continue to grow, it's helped my approach, but at the same time, it's, um, just really good. It was just the really good advice at the time. And it, it, it was right when I needed it. You have now the perspective of both the coach and then also the, uh, uh, you know, the player development coach. So you've seen it from both sides now. So as you watch players, what would you say, you know, skill wise, what things are lacking, you know, when you were coaching, when they came to you, what are they missing out? Because I want to kind of relate that back to what you said at the very beginning, we think of a skill development. A lot of people think of skill development as like, I do a bunch of drills. I, I do, I do things with cones. I do things with tennis balls. I do things. And those things in and of themselves aren't bad, but what, what is not translating over? Because again, you have the perspective now of, you know, what a coach is actually looking for. And then we'll talk, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but like even developing then a workout. So let's keep the developing a workout later. We'll talk through that in just a second. Simple yeah. fundamentals. I, I, I mean, I, decision right, making. right. Decision making is probably, you know, and I'm talking at, and I'm sure even at the college level, you know, it's obviously that's huge, especially I continue to go back just with the play. A lot of majority of the players I'm working with are high school kids. And I go watch them play or, and, or, you know, I have them work, have them in a workout and 
you know, decision making is a huge factor. Right now, I just say like off the catch. You know, obviously, you know, there's times. I, in my opinion, I think there's times where you need to obviously have we. Everyone says, you know, a triple threat could be dead. You know, you don't really need it anymore. I think you still need it. I still think you need it to handle pressure and things like that, especially, you know, within the context of an offense or just to, you know, handle pressure, really just for that, you know, have a good base, but decision-making. And then obviously players in certain situations and make different reads. So obviously, you know, like just from watching me, like I do obviously a lot of short-sided games situational games that's really been the most beneficial for all the players that I've worked with is able to put them and this is you know and obviously we'll talk later about how you know we can you know about workouts and planning those but like that's usually a bulk of my workout now is situational games putting these players in situations where where they're just making reads making decisions because I really think that's what where they're lacking and that's and, and from the basketball that I'm watching here and in New Jersey, you know, we don't have a shot clock, you know, and that's not implemented yet. So a lot of the games are, you know, the pace is very slow or like, or kids are, you know, deep, you know, their offense breaks down and they're getting to some driving kick. They're catching the ball and then trying to make a decision rather than having a decision made on the catch. And again, that's really no skill or anything like that. I mean, we can, obviously we need to break down footwork and we need to, understand you know having good technique and things like that having good solid fundamentals with those things but decision making and then putting players in situations where say you know we're working on certain things prior to doing these short-sighted games they got to be able to translate these things to the game and i think that's the best way is with situational games small you know whatever you want to call it putting them in positions where one they got to you know, they got to be able to make the right read and they're going to make mistakes. That's fine. Um, and then to like figuring it out at times, you can't always like uh, us as coaches, like we're not always going to have the answer. You know, I can't, st I'm not going to be able to, I can't stop and I can't stop the kids, you know, every five seconds. I mean, I got to let them get reps, figure it out, you know, allow them to, you know, if they've missed, if they haven't made the right read, they turn it over. They don't make the shot. You know, I have to see how they handle that adversity. Where's their mental toughness? You know, how are they going to handle it? Are they going to move on to the next play? Things like that. Um, I think that's all huge just within those, I call them situational games. And, uh, you know, those are things that I believe in, in terms of things translating to the game. So obviously we can talk about a million different things, you know, catch and shoot, you know, attacking off the catch, attacking off the dribble, different finishes, whatever it is. I think it's just really important, whatever you're focusing on within the workout, you know, or at, you know, if you're working on things at practice, it's about having that focus for whatever it is and then putting them in those situations after you've broken down the, um, the fundamental through footwork and game repetition and things like that. This can be hard to do with just audio, but to your best ability, describe maybe one of your situational or small-sided games that you'll do in a workout. Let's, talk, let's just say finishing because I'm huge on finishing. So basically I call it, it's probably, you know, and I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of people use it. It's just I call it angle one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, I'm facing, I'm facing the, uh, the basket, you know, so I could be from the top of the key, from the wing, and – I have, I'm, I have the ball, 
um, squared up to the rim. And then my defender is right on my hip and their chest is, is facing my inside shoulder. So they're in a defensive position, but they're at the disadvantage. I'm at the advantage. So obviously like for me, you know, from, and when I talk about this thing, it's all about, you're going to, you're going to have the advantage in games. You're going to have a disadvantage in games. You know, defense will have the advantage at times. Offense will have the advantage at times. And obviously from an offensive standpoint, you're always trying to create an advantage. And I think once you do, that's where it comes down to decision-making things like that. But just for this particular drill, say we're, you know, we repped out three different finishes and I, I'm putting the defender here and I have the ball here. I'm going to tell whatever group it is I'm working with or group of players, I'm going to say, you got to utilize one of those three finishes. You only have those three finishes to, to work with. And when I start my movement or take my first dribble, that's when it slides. So from there, it's I have my shoulders to the rim. I have the advantage. So I should be able to keep my advantage. All I got to focus on is obviously engaging that contact and then obviously keeping them right there and being able to keep my angle to the rim. So right now it'd be, you know, if I was on the court and obviously showing you this, I would have a straight line drive to the basket. And that's what you're trying to do is keep that straight line drive. And by keeping that straight line drive, that's going to be about you just engaging that contact, bumping the defender, you know, getting into their chest and trying to create a little separation or, you know, or they're going to get behind you. And then obviously you want to be able to separate, out in front where they're not able to contest from behind. Um, and I use that all the time. Uh, just obviously that, that, um, situational game. I do it a lot for finishing because kid and I ask kids this all the time. It was like, you know, how often, how often are you in a game with a defender on your hip? They'll say a lot. So that's about them. You know, we could wrap finishes all day with no, no defenders on them, you know, or, you know, handling through cones and going up to finish. But, they need to be able to get develop confidence by and figuring it out. How am I going to create the separation? How am I going to drive through this contact? And, and obviously, you know, I said three finishes, so it could be different finishes that you want to use, but being able to now implement those finishes, you know, with that contact, just like it would be in a game. And I think that's a great way for them to one, develop confidence, develop a feel and understanding, you know, and kind of go through trial and error defense, forces them off their driving line. You know, what do I got to do next time to, you know, keep my straight line drive? Or if I go up to finish and defense blocks it, what do I got to do better to create separation at the rim? And that just goes back to like, obviously, you know, having, you know, they got to be able to figure it out at times and um, kind of play through those mistakes. And then eventually as you continue to work on the finish through footwork and, you know, repetition and obviously those situational games, you know, you'll see, you'll definitely see some results uh, as they move forward into, you know, going to see them play. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have seen this before, whether or not they knew that's what that was, that they were watching, that may have been something different. Mike posts his stuff all the time on his Twitter and, and has examples of these. And I would say for probably for somebody who's listening is like, yeah, I'd like to try that. I don't know how you do this, but like, I'll just make stuff up sometimes. Um, it, I found that if you just throw in a defender, that's the easiest way to do it. Create some sort of advantage. I mean, they're behind them, like you said, they're on their side or something like that. You're just creating some sort of advantage for somebody else so that there's basically, you're recreating messiness in a game. That's what you're trying to do. Like you're trying to create 
basically some sort of disadvantage where they have to make a decision on one side or the other and then play off of that. So we kind of have heard the kinds of things that are in your workout. So talk to me about like you're putting together a workout for a high school age kid. How long is that workout lasting and what kinds of things are you including in that workout? 60 to 75 minutes where I can get through everything I want to get through. Um, I think that's plenty of time. And, you know, you may say less or more. I think that's that's perfect in terms of time. Um, and then obviously it all depends on the player or the group. So, you know, I, I consider myself like a tailor. Like I'm going to, I got to tailor to the group. I got to tailor to the individual. One player might need something different than another player. I might be working with a post player. I might be working with a point guard. I might be working with whoever it is. Right. But a lot of what I do, it, it depends on certain days if I can get Wi-Fi in the gym is, or, you know, who, what player it is. I, I try at times with certain players is to break down film. So, like, if for some of the players that I have, they're going to go to college. I have, I have access to Synergy. So one of my players is going to Oregon next year. So I'll use her as an example. So I've, I've watched a ton of Oregon women's basketball this year just through Synergy because I want to get ready to now show her some things that she's going to need, you know, one, look at from a defensive perspective, offensive per perspective, and then things that we can utilize, that we can utilize just when we work together one-on-one. -on -one. You know, so a lot of that will be just introducing her to some different actions, some different techniques and things like that. I mean, there's, all, there's, so, there's only so much you can do from a defense perspective in an individual workout. So for her, I would do a lot of film from where she's at in high school to where she's going to be. Obviously, when she steps foot on campus this summer, I'm going to I want to try to grow her knowledge for the game more than anything. And then I get right into footwork breakdowns. So I do a ton of like technical skills, whatever you want to work on. I am true. I am huge on footwork. You can't be effective without with having having great footwork. I'll spend, I could spend a really good amount of time on footwork and then it just depends on whether it's the player or the group, how, how well they progress with that footwork. I like to just stick to like two to three focuses for the workout. Um, I, you can't spend, you can't have 10 things you're going to show them in 60 to 75 minutes and then start with that, showing them on film, doing the footwork breakdowns, you know, close to the basket, you know, everything's probably like from the elbow, elbow extended and in. You know, touch finishes, different, you know, footwork breakdowns, shot breakdowns. You know, if I need to show a group, you know, if it's a youth group, if I, we just need to really work on jump stops, like we're taking one dribble and working on just coming to jump stops on balance, you know, whatever it is. If we're working on ball handling, you know, just working on ways to utilize your feet to create space or just have, play with good change of pace from going from slow to fast. You know, so that'll be all my footwork breakdowns. And then whatever those focuses are, then we'll take it to game game reps, which is I just like to take it to game space. So like three three point line spacing or whatever whatever the spacing is for that for that group or the player. So I want them to understand, you know, the space on the floor, understand why they need that much space within not just what they're doing as a group or an individual, you know, but what it's gonna mean to them in a five on five setting. So we went from film study, footwork breakdowns, game repetitions, and then situational games. You know, that's kind of like how I break down the workout, but, and, you know, I go through those progressions and, but I never like, I, you got to make sure they're bringing energy, effort, they're having fun with it. 
And then we're talking about and if you have a good relationship with the player, I mean, you got to make sure that you're just chatting with them, you know, when we're getting water, or, you know, before the workout, after the workout. And you're just asking about things that don't even apply to basketball. I'm going to kind of address some of the things you just talked about. So first question, how much shooting do you incorporate into the actual skill session? We'll do a lot of relocations. We'll do respacing shooting. Uh, we'll do spot shooting. Um, we'll do shooting challenges. Uh, we'll do different ways, you know, different ways to hold them accountable, whether it's making consecutive consecutive shots in a row. If it's a couple different, there's a couple different things that I like to do, you know, work with players with, especially if, you know, they're, they're pretty good shooters and they need, they need a little bit more of a challenge uh, other than just like making two, three, four, whatever it is in a row. But we'll incorporate a lot of, like I said, re, you know, attacking, kick, respace, uh, you know, relocating from different spots. Uh, we'll work on, you know, if we're talking about high school or even college kids, if they're coming off a lot of, you know, pin downs or, you know, stagger screens or whatever it is, um, you know, we'll work on that and how to set those up and, and, and come on, you know, get those shots. So, I mean, it's a, it, it could be a good amount. It just depends on the player and, and then their need. But somebody asked about like starting a, a training program if you're like a head coach. Would you say that, it's good for your players to hear somebody else's voice. Uh, yeah, I do. Because and I'll say this. I mean, I had a college coach who he ran the strength and conditioning because he had, you know, at the division three level, he had the cert and was able to do that. So I heard his voice then I heard his voice during the season. Uh, I heard his. So basically I had his voice from September until I left <laughs> school uh, in May, you know, and that's I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot to hear one voice. I think we all know that. I think that's why you have, you know, you know, being an assistant coach, like the co- you know, the head coach can't be the only voice. You need to have those, you know, you need to have those assistants that play their part and play their role, you know, for the kids to hear different voices, um, you know, or diff- different relationships with. So I think that's the same thing here. I think one, a kid could have a great relationship with their coach, but I think at the same time, is if I'm working with them in the off season, you know, one, I need to have a relationship with the coach as well. You know, like I can't just be some random guy. Uh, and I think that's, you know, we go back to, you know, the whole thing with like, you know, Mark Adam, you know, his advice to me, it's because, and, you know, you know, being a player development guy that has respect, you know, from coaches, it's because you want to be able to have that relationship with the coaches. You know, I don't want to be just some guy like the coaches don't respect, does stuff that's, you know, not going to help their players improve. You know, I want to have that relationship with the coaches. And then I want those players to be able to have, you know, one, I want to have that trust from the coach. And then I want to have obviously that trust with the player and that relationship with the player, you know, because we're all in this together. And I'll just say from like a college coach's perspective, I've had players that are, that come to me and they're like, yeah, man, check this move out that I've been working on with my skills trainer. And I'm like, what the heck are, I'm thinking I'm going to have to now untrain them to do that because if they were to do that playing five on five in our games, like they would be faster to the bench than ever before. So, you know, working with, I had somebody else come on here and basically stated the same thing, like talking with, he was talking from a professional perspective, but just talking with the front office people and with the coaches and stuff, you don't want to be training things that the coaches opposite of what the coaches are, are wanting for the guy. So that was a good point. Um, somebody asked about uh, apps. Do you use anything? You mentioned synergy, but that's not really, I mean, realistically for a skills trainer, that's 
probably, you know, but do you use anything to capture video to edit video? Or are you just using your phone or do you even use any like that? I mean, I use I, iMovie comes with your laptop sure. or your yeah. phone and, you know, I'll, I'll use, I'll use the iMovie on my laptop a ton because I do a lot of film breakdowns. So like if I'm editing films sure. for players or just to provide for content, you know, from as an educational standpoint, I'll use that, but nothing, not much else. Yeah. I think sometimes people think like they need all this fancy stuff and just to show a kid a clip, like you were talking about or going through film with them can be as simple as recording on your phone and then putting it on iMovie. So last one here, but somebody asked about the drill before where they could see that. So I just want to give you this time to be able to talk about your social media and then also some of your uh, drill books and what is in those drill books that you've made available. Uh, so right now for the drill book, my mentor, my brother, uh, Damon Altizer, we've given out a, um, a drill book and it's all short-sided games, about 20 short-sided games from one-on-one to uh, five on five. And it could be, you know, obviously we talked about like, it could be advantage, disadvantage from offensive, defensive standpoint. And all you got to do is you'll shoot me an email. You can shoot Damon an email. If you want to send me your, your email, you can send it through Instagram. You can send it through Twitter. Both my handles are at mshaughnessy11. And obviously a coach, I'll definitely be sending you one. I appreciate that. I'll also make sure that we, uh, in the notes, when we post this for the podcast, that we'll um, put links to all those. So that's Coach Mike Shaughnessy. Coach, thanks so much for talking with us tonight. It was good talking to you again, man. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.